The Lord explained the relationship between our worth and His great atoning sacrifice when He said, Remember, the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. At times like that, just look up and leave. It's up to us to go down the road that leads us back home. It's up to us to see we already are what we want to be. Don't give in to what others say. It's your favorite Worth of Souls podcast host. Wait. <laughs> your only Worth of Souls podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Your only Worth of Souls podcast host. I'm Brent. I'm Andrea. And we're thrilled that you've joined us again today. We're going to talk about one of the most vital thought habits, and that is learning how to separate our worth from our performance. Get buckled in because we're going to be going over some really great stuff today. First, we want to do a little bit of return and report. From the last lesson, we talked about understanding the process of justification and the amazing role the Holy Ghost has in our lives because he confirms that we are on the path leading us back to our heavenly parents and our Savior. Just like it said in the Come, Follow Me manual, for we know that if we can be worthy of the presence of the Holy Ghost, we can also be worthy to live in the presence of Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Having a perfect brightness of hope on that hope ladder we talked about helps us to increase our ability to spiritually focus, and our love for living each day increases as a result. Now, if if I was left on my own to try to make a determination that I am worthy, what would I conclude? Not I, worthy. I will never be worthy. Not worthy. But luckily, it's not up to us to make that determination. It is up to the Lord. And when we feel the confirmations of the Spirit, He is communicating with us, basically giving us a pat on the back and assuring us that we are, in fact, doing just fine. A friend of ours, Susan, told us this, quote, I remember when I first really understood that when I feel the witness of the Holy Ghost, it is a pronouncement that I am clean, that I am clean. The feelings of guilt I almost always carried around melted away. I am an avid perfectionist, especially with myself, which makes me acutely aware of all of my many mistakes. I now know that even though I'm not doing everything perfectly, I can perfectly feel his love for me by the confirmations of the Spirit. For the first time I can remember, I am not carrying a big bag of guilt around with me everywhere I go. I love that. I'm so grateful that she shared that with yeah. us. Well, and as part of the return and report, did you do the assignment? We invited you to specifically plant a seed in your heart that the plan of salvation is God's plan of love for you that it is true doctrine. We invited you to receive a very specific confirmation that God's plan is real so that when the heat of the day comes and pressures you the way the world's views are, that you can go back to that confirmation and create even deeper roots in your testimony. A friend of ours, Pete, shared an experience that he had. He said, quote, when I first heard that the celestial kingdom is the easiest to obtain, I was shocked. Could it be true? Why had I always believed it, it would be the most difficult? Recently, I was in a sacrament meeting when I began pondering this belief. 
Something happened that had not happened before. I felt a rush of emotions and impressions that came vividly and clearly to my mind and heart. I became convinced in that moment of the truth of this principle. I gained a testimony for myself that for me, this principle is true. While I am still imperfect, I strive every day to improve. This knowledge has brought great hope and comfort to me. Close quote. How did the process go for you? Were you able to maybe write down any of the impressions that you received? Whatever the Spirit is teaching you is very sacred. So we hope you're taking some time to document this journey however you can. And if there's anything that you feel prompted to share with us on social media so that we can share it with others and we can learn from your experience, please do that. Yes, please do. Okay, today we get to talk about a paramount thought habit, separating our worth from our performance. Remember, in the very first lesson, we talked about three worlds, one temporal, one spiritual, and our inner world, and how our inner world interacts with the temporal and spiritual world every day. We get to take a dive into those concepts today with this thought habit. We have the ability to see people with our spiritual eyes or our temporal eyes, including ourselves. What is the first thing that I must do to see others around me as sons and daughters of God? I must see myself this way first and treat myself with awe and respect. If I don't see other people around me with awe and respect, it's because I don't see myself this way. If other people are upsetting me, annoying me, bugging me, always in my way, anything like that, it is because I have a paradigm problem. And we'll go over this in great detail in thought habit number eight, not giving my power away to other people. One of the most important ways to treat myself with on respect is to separate my worth from my performance. We have obviously started in this uh, lesson to use the word performance. Both Brent and I love to be part of community theater productions. We're both singers and actors, and most of the people in our lives hear the word performance, and they think about theater or a show or entertainment. Now, this is not what we are talking about in this habit. In 2 Nephi, he tells us that our performance is for the welfare of our souls. That is the performance that we are talking about. In the scriptures, we are told that performance is everything that we do. Performance equals our actions. It's both our positive and our negative actions. It encompasses our outside behaviors as well as what happens in our thoughts with our inside behaviors. To be able to separate our worth from our performance, we must first discover where we are creating our feelings of self-worth. Is it from the temporal world or is it from the spiritual world? And realize that within ourselves, subconsciously, we are constantly creating either feelings of low self-worth or high self-worth. To start, we are actually going to talk about how to create negative feelings of self-worth. Why? Why would we teach you how to create negative <laughs> feelings of self-worth? You're being negative. <laughs> <laughs> because there are several steps that happen in our minds when we create negative feelings about ourselves. 
And we need to recognize as fast as possible when we are starting down that path of developing negative feelings of self-worth. If you can catch yourself and recognize when you're creating negative feelings, then you can reverse it much faster and not go into darkness. But if you don't recognize when you're starting to create those negative feelings of self-worth and you keep following the steps into darkness so much that it starts to create depressions or anxiety about all the things that are happening in life, then the darkness becomes pervasive in your mind and much harder to get out of. At step one or two, it's much easier to get out of that darkness and back into the light. But step six, seven, and eight, it it, it might be much harder to get back into the light. We want to give you the tools to counsel yourself with the truth. Creating negative feelings of self-worth is actually really, really easy. Yes. You can check it off on your list. <laughs> you, you just have to choose to create a dependency upon the temporal world to make you feel your value. Most of us have had a lot of practice doing this. You can use any of the things on this list that we're about to give you to create a dependency upon the temporal world. Notice when we're going through the list, which things trigger you more than others. Now, my triggers are going to be different from Brent's triggers. Absolutely. Your automatic trigger reactions are a clue for you as to what emotions you have attached and how hooked you are to the how hooked your worth is to that particular performance that we'll be discussing. What are the things that hook us and create a dependency on the temporal world? First, we want to talk about weight. Gaining weight. When you gain weight, like an extra 25 pounds, maybe from COVID. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's hitting a little (laughs) too close to home. Not about you. (laughs) When you gain those extra 25 pounds, you can feel of lesser value. Your clothes don't fit as well. You're sluggish. You don't have great energy. You know that people are looking at you and noticing your weight gain. They're not saying anything, but you know they see it, and you start to feel of lesser value as a person. She is talking about me. I know it. When you lose your job— that can create negative feelings and major stress. And the, those feelings you feel like confirms that you aren't a person of value. They can confirm that when you talk to yourself in certain ways. Or you find out that your spouse is leaving you and you feel like that that validates that you're not a very good person. Perhaps you have defiant children. And they have horrible school behavioral issues, and you're always the parent that's getting the phone calls. Or maybe your children aren't active in church, or you have a son or daughter that's been thrown in jail. Subconsciously, you feel like these things affect your self-worth and value, especially as a parent, and you use your child's performance to determine your value. Maybe you're single. And you've never been married and you feel like this really affects your self-worth and value, especially in a culture like ours that stresses the importance of a family so much. Or maybe you have financial problems and you've never been able to pay your bills on time and you're always feeling like the, the bill collectors are demeaning you. Or you don't have enough money to afford the new car or the nice house. And maybe you've even declared bankruptcy. Therefore, According to our society, you must be of lesser worth. Perhaps you're steeped in a secret addiction 
and you feel dirty from giving into your addiction all the time, or you never get called to leadership callings in the church and you feel like in your ward, no one really thinks that your talents are of any value to your ward family. You can use all of those negative feelings in order to determine your worth. What about when you compare your life to everyone else on social media? This is a very good source for producing negative feelings of self-worth. None of us ever does this. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you feel like you're not as worth as much value as other people because you don't get as many comments or likes, and, and that's kind of depressing for you. Another big one is when you're having a crisis of faith and questions, and you don't feel of value to God anymore, that Satan's attacking you that way because you don't know what you're believing in, and you're depending on other people to make you feel okay. And when they find fault with you because you're questioning, you use those reactions to determine your worth. When you have any of these experiences that produce negative feelings and you transfer those negative emotions to determine your worth as a human being, that is a dependency upon the world to make you feel of value. As a personal example, I'll give one. When I became a mother, something that was really important to me was to breastfeed my babies. Now, men who are listening, don't tune out because just because I'm talking about breastfeeding. Guaranteed, there's at least one woman in your life that will love you if you understand the emotional tug of war that happens with this. When our first baby came, I received a lot of training, guidance, counsel, nutrition, and herbal advice, everything that we could do so that I could have a successful breastfeeding journey. And after everything we did, I still struggled a lot. We looked at every avenue in order to be successful. And after exhausting our resources, my energy, my mental health, like so many things, I could not produce enough to feed my baby. So we turned to bottle feeding. And I remember one night I sat up and I cried and I cried. Oh, my gosh. And I cried. The story that I had subconsciously told myself is that I would be a successful mother if I could breastfeed my babies. And it didn't happen. Physically, I was one of those women who in pioneer times would have had to find another woman to be a nursemaid to keep my baby alive. And I was completely unprepared for the roller coaster of emotions that came from all of that. I felt shame anytime I had to pull out that dang bottle in public is what I thought in my mind. <laughs> and I thought that other people thought less of me. That was a story. Another story I kept telling myself that they maybe thought I was too lazy to breastfeed. I hated getting up in the middle of the night to prepare a bottle. I had majorly, majorly hooked my performance as a young mother to my success with breastfeeding my babies. And when that didn't happen, I beat myself up over it a lot. And I went into a negative um, spiral of emotions about myself over it. And in that situation, obviously, I was not counseling myself with the truth. Did Heavenly Father look at me with less value in his kingdom because I wasn't able to breastfeed my son like I wanted? Of, of course not. I had very successfully hooked my worth to my performance as a mother with this particular temporal focus. And we are here to tell you this is not the Lord's way. 
It's not. And I remember this time for Andrea and how hard it was for her. But it was also really hard for me because I can't breastfeed very well either. (laughs) Nice. Nice, babe. (laughs) On the other side of this coin, it's not only our bad behavior that can hook our worth to our performance. We can also use good things that happen in our lives. Let's go back to the weight example. Let's say after gaining the COVID 25 pounds. Oh, babe, it wasn't 25. It was only like 20. Oh, thanks. That makes me feel so much better. (laughs) Not personal. (laughs) So after gaining that weight, you work really hard and you lose the weight. And everyone around you notices and tells you how amazing you look. Boy, getting these compliments feels really good. When you lose the 25 pounds, you feel of greater value. When you get the compliments, you can transfer that positive external feedback to determine your worth as a human being. Did you know when you lose weight, it can also create negative feelings of self-worth? How? Because you have created a dependency on getting positive feedback to make you feel of value. When you lose weight... You will feel so much better about yourself. But guess who picks that up? The adversary. That's right. He will immediately use that to his advantage. He will either tempt you with sufficient food to gain the weight back, or he will cause you to start constantly being worried about that extra five pounds and obsessing obsessing over it. Or comparing yourself to everyone else at the gym who looks better than you do and has a six-pack and whatever is your particular trigger, he's going to hook you with it. Then he's got you on that roller coaster ride of emotions. And now you're dependent on the temporal world to fill a value. What are some other positive performances in our life that can turn into a, a dependency upon the temporal world? Maybe getting compliments about our accomplishments. Perhaps we're dependent on people noticing us and telling us how how great we are. Maybe you're single and dating all the time and you use this to validate yourself that you're desirable and that people want to go out with you. Or you get a promotion at work and you feel like this validates how valuable you are. Perhaps you're dependent on competition and how much you win to determine your value. Maybe you have a really secure marriage and a great relationship and you really like it when people point that out all the time. Or perhaps we're hooked with being dependent on our children's good behavior, like their good grades and or a good job or, or the college they got accepted to. And we feel like that because of our child's success, it proves that we are of greater worth as a parent. That's, that's a very effective source, by the way, well, another, the children and, thing. It is. And another really effective source is a dependency on the, that, that gives us a dependency on the temporal world is when we have a lot of money. Yeah, that's another one. You can buy anything you want. You have new everything, and it confirms that you're a great person of worth. Maybe you have stayed clean from addiction for a really long time and you're patting yourself on the back because of it. And, and that proves that your worth is great and you, because you're not giving into an addiction anymore, or maybe you're always getting called to leadership callings in the church and you use those feelings of acceptance and adoration to determine your worth. Or 
maybe you've never doubted the doctrines of the church and you've studied intensely and you have great pride in the knowledge that you have of the doctrines of the gospel. And that has created a dependency on the fact that people always turn to you for the answers. Or when you can have completed everything on your to-do list at the end of the day and That's... you look back <laughs> and you say, I am of great worth because I finished my checklist. Oh, man. That's the one that gets me all the time that I always have to check myself. When I finish that checklist, oh, it feels so good. And when I don't, oh, I get hooked. That's the one I get to work on. The point that we want to make is that no matter if you lose weight or gain weight, lose your job or get a promotion, get an A in a class or fail miserably, both of these situations can create negative feelings of self-worth. Why? Because you're creating a dependency on your performance and the feedback about your performance to make you feel of value. Anytime our feelings of worth remain centered on our performance and the opinions of others, our self-worth is dependent on those temporal things. Please know that it is not wrong to have feelings. <laughs> That's not what we're saying about the positive or negative situations. We're human and we're going to be feeling these positive or negative emotions that come like, you know, being in the honeymoon state of your marriage or getting a divorce or buying a house or getting evicted. The problem comes is when we use the positive or negative feelings from our inner world that come from those performances and then use them to determine our worth in the eyes of God and if we are on schedule for exaltation or not. That is the exact process where we get into trouble too much. Can you see how even positive performance and the feelings that are generated from them can hook you and create a dependency on the world? The positive performances are much more subtle yes. and Satan will pick those up and and push us into that dependency on the world and take it and use it for his advantage all the time. Welcome to the pride cycle, yeah. right? <laughs> That's exactly right. Now, have you ever had a chance to use any of these sources to determine your worth? If we, if we were in a class setting, I am certain that 100% of the class would raise their hands. because Including mine and Brent's. Exactly. We have all done this. It's human nature. This is the natural man program. We cannot escape this cycle in the world we live in. If you had the opportunity to participate in the junior high and high school program, you know that this temporal world values certain people over others because of their performance. If you get good grades, all your teachers love you. If you get bad grades, you're always in trouble. If you're the star football player, everyone adores you. If you sit on the bench and never play a single down, nobody knows your name. If your parents can afford to buy you the newest clothes, everyone thinks you're cool. But if you're wearing your older siblings hand-me-downs, people make fun of you. Do not use performance to determine your worth. Your worth was established in the heavens long before you ever got to this temporal existence. We were sent here to this earth to overcome the world, not succumb to it. Obviously, we can never do this without Christ's help. When you succumb to the world, it is because you have hooked your feelings about your performance and you have used them to transfer your inner world to the temporal focus. We definitely cannot overcome the world with a temporal focus like this. 
but there is good news. Yes, there is. We can become spiritually focused instead and separate our worth from our performance. In thought habit number one, we talked about feeling the spirit daily to know that we are on the path. The point is that whether or not you gain or lose the 25 pounds, can you still feel the spirit? If you can, then you can still be on schedule. The spirit can confirm that the worth of your soul is still great in the eyes of God. This is the reason we gave you the challenge in the last lesson to repeat in prayer 10 to 15 times a day that you, who you are and how Heavenly Father feels about you because it's your job to run truth through your mind and heart to know your true worth. If you don't do this, then it is really easy to get trapped in the dependence on the temporal world to determine your worth. It's time to now turn our focus to the Lord's way and take a look at how we can create high feelings of self-worth. The very first step to creating high feelings of self-worth is to understand that we were never sent to this earth to determine our worth in the first place, ever. Our worth was established long before we ever got here. We are sons and daughters of God, born and reared in the courts of glory by heavenly parents. We say it over and over and over again. Our heavenly parents value us beyond any measure, no matter what our performance is. We were never sent here to prove our worth. These confirmations are life-changing. We were sent here to determine the kingdom in which we will spend eternity. Now, we know this is the truth because the prophets and the scriptures confirm it. And if you accepted the challenge to pray about the, salva- the plan of salvation last time and received a confirmation, then you also know by personal revelation that that is true. President Kimball had this to say about how Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother feel about you and I. Here's what he said. God is your father. He loves you. He and your mother in heaven value you beyond any measure. You are unique, one of a kind, made of the eternal intelligence which gives you claim upon eternal life. Let there be no question in your mind about your value as an individual. The whole intent of the gospel plan is to provide an opportunity for each of you to reach your fulfillment and your fullest potential, which is eternal progression and possibility of Godhood. Think about that. A prophet of God said there should be no question that I have the potential of Godhood. And every prophet has confirmed this before and after Kimball. Yes, they have. Every single one. The second step to create high feelings of self-worth is to see your worth as Christ sees it. How does Christ see you? He loves you unconditionally. He died for you. (laughs) Regardless of your performance, regardless of whether or not you gain weight, whether or not you can pay your bills, whether or not you have leadership callings, whether you sin or you don't sin, regardless of whether or not your children are active in the church or not, whether or not you remain strong or give in to your addiction, Christ's love for you never varies. Choosing to see yourself as Christ sees you can absolutely set you free. Heavenly Father and the Savior's love 
for us is there no matter what we do. The main issue is whether or not we can feel their perfect love for us. As we feel their perfect love, and you can more fully do this by staying in the light, which is what we discussed in thought habit number one, then feeling their love becomes our main source for feeling our self-worth. And from that source, we will be able to love others with that same perfect love. The greatest power in this world is God's love. That's why the first commandment is to love God with all our heart, might, mind, and strength. Because you want no barriers between you and Heavenly Father. In a very, very small example, we can see proof of this in our own lives. Those of us who are parents especially. All parents know that children are very different from each other. Yeah. But just because they're different, just because some have different strengths and others have different weaknesses, it doesn't mean that we love them any less. Now, with that very limited capacity to understand the way that we feel about our own children, just imagine the way a perfect Heavenly Father feels about you. Just take the love that you feel for your child and times it by a million, and you might start to, start to feel a little about the love that Heavenly Father has for us. Now, when I counsel myself with that truth, it is a powerful, motivating help to me to stay in the light. It makes keeping his commandments a joy. L. Tom Perry addressed this beautifully in his talk, Youth of the Noble Birthright. He said this, Have you ever thought of yourself as a junior angel, crowned with glory and honor? Every one of our Father in Heaven's children is great in his sight. If the Lord sees greatness in you, how then should you see yourself? When I hear the apostles' voices who have passed away, I just, I miss them. (laughs) And thanks to Elder Perry and others, I do know that I'm a junior angel, although my kids sometimes like to tell me that I'm getting closer to being a senior angel because of my gray hair. The third step to create high feelings of self-worth is to separate your worth from your performance. We must understand and receive the confirmation that our performance determines which kingdom in which I will spend eternity. And it has nothing whatsoever to do with our worth. I just simply use performance to glorify Heavenly Father and never use the feelings that come from my performance to glorify myself or make myself feel of value at all. We are to let our light so shine that it may glorify our Father in heaven. And we're going to go into much more detail about that in the next lesson. When we perform for Heavenly Father, we are no longer dependent upon the temporal world at all. You might still feel some good feelings from positive performance and maybe some negative feelings from negative performance. But you never, ever transfer those feelings to determine your worth ever. It is critical to separate those two things. When I value myself with his perfect love, even when I make a mistake, I'll say something like, Father, I know that I went to darkness and I know that I made a mistake, but I also know that thou loves me with perfect love. Help me now to get back in the light so I can feel thy great love for me so I can overcome these problems. 
That is what God wants me to pray about and say about myself. He does not want me to condemn myself, put myself down, and find fault with myself every time that is a temporal focus and the natural man takes over. President Monson had this to say on this subject. My dear sisters, your Heavenly Father loves you, each of you. That love never changes. It is not influenced by your parents, by your possessions, by the amount of money you have in your bank account. It is not changed by your talents and abilities. It is simply there. It is there for you when you are sad or happy, discouraged or hopeful. God's love is there for you whether or not you deserve love. It is simply always there. I testify, along with President Monson, that his love is real and always there. Nephi talks about the purpose of our performance in this life. In 2 Nephi, he tells us this, quote, that ye must not perform anything unto the Lord, save in the first place ye shall pray unto the Father in the name of Christ, that he will consecrate thy performance unto thee, that thy performance may be for the welfare of thy soul. Now, if you'll permit me, I am going to get a little bit personal for a minute and tell you about two times that I was arrested. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I don't want your mind to trail off wondering what terrible thing I did to merit being arrested. So I'll tell you that both instances were as a result of laziness, not malice. Both times I had unpaid speeding tickets. So I guess it actually was a result of speed and laziness. The first time I got arrested, I was in my early 20s, just a few years back from the mission. When the officer told me that he had to arrest me, I was absolutely mortified. I immediately condemned myself. I felt unworthy. In my mind, I thought, now this cop thinks that I am a criminal because only criminals wear handcuffs. And I started thinking, what if someone sees me in handcuffs or in the back of a police car? What will my ward members think if it gets out that my name and picture were on the county booking website? If my family and friends find out, what will they think less of me? I was so ashamed. I didn't even want to call anyone to come bail me out because I didn't want anyone to know. Temporal focus after temporal focus. I was giving over my worth to everyone's opinion of me. The second time I got arrested, it was for the same reason. And yes, I have learned my lesson. I, I always pay my tickets on time. His wife always pays his tickets on yes, time. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Being married is wonderful, I have to tell you. I haven't had a, a, a non-paid ticket since getting married. My wife is wonderful. I, I had a much different experience the second time. I remember the police officer treating me really badly. He was actually incredibly mean. And talking to me that I was like this horrible criminal that had broken some egregious law and that I should feel like the criminal that I was. But all the way to the police station, I never lost the spirit. I was able to pray and thank Heavenly Father for the opportunity to grow spiritually and to be reminded that with or without handcuffs, he loved me with the perfect love. And after I was booked and put into a cell, 
I was able to strike up a nice conversation with the gentleman that was in there and and bore a really strong testimony of the power of the Book of Mormon and invited him to read it more often when he got out. What was the difference? My performance in both of these situations was the same. The difference was I had been focusing spiritually for months prior to the second arrest and talking with my Heavenly Father regularly about, about the worth of my soul in His eyes. I knew who I was. I knew that the only reason the cop was being rude to me was because of what, he, what was going on inside of His temple, and it had nothing to do with me. And I knew that even if my friends and family and ward members saw that I had been arrested, it would have nothing to do with how Heavenly Father and Christ feel about me. I'm also very proud to say that I have kept Brent out of jail since we got married, for the record. (laughs) We're going to bring you back to the list of our performances from earlier in the lesson. And we, we get to look at these events now with new eyes because of, hopefully, all of our changed paradigm. We can look at gaining or losing weight, losing our job or getting a promotion, having a wildly successful marriage or getting a divorce. And we can understand that all of those performances can be for the welfare of our soul when we spiritually focus and see our worth as Christ sees it. A lot of people in the Christian world like to talk about God's love as being unconditional, which it absolutely is as we have discussed today. But we do need to be very clear about something before we close the lesson. My ability to feel God's love is conditional upon my worthiness. If I am not walking in his light, if I have chosen a path of sin, given into a pornography addiction, verbally abused my child, lie, cheat, steal, anything that causes me to not be in the light, I will not be able or eligible to feel his perfect love for me until I go through the necessary repentance process to get back onto the path. We will go much more into the process of repentance in detail in thought habit number 11. So when I'm back on the path and I walk in the light as he is in the light, my feelings of self-worth increase dramatically because I'm able to feel his love. I put myself in the place to feel it from him. If I am not in the light, my feelings of self-worth will be dependent on how I counsel myself about being in the darkness because I, I have put a barrier between myself and God. That, that's a very important points to make. Okay. On to your assignment, if you should choose to accept it. <laughs> we are going to ask you to apply Alma's process of change to what we have talked about today. The seed that we are inviting you to plant is no matter what I do or don't do, I am of great worth in the eyes of God. A natural result from planting the seed is going to be the ability to look at your actions, your performances, and separate what you do from how your heavenly parents and Christ feel about you. First, awaken or arouse your faculties to see as Christ sees. Do this by studying the few scriptures that we've cited in the lesson, but especially the words of the modern-day prophets. We've provided all of these on our website. Another study that is incredibly valuable. And one of the best ways to know who we are is to read and study our patriarchal blessing. 
If you haven't received a patriarchal blessing, we encourage you to take the steps to get that done. Go talk to your bishop if you feel like now is the right time to do that. And if you haven't gotten it out and it's dusty, get it out. (laughs) Open it with your scriptures. It is your personal scripture. You can also review another patriarchal blessing that the Lord has provided you in Doctrine and Covenants section 86, verses 9 through 11. Second, exercise a particle of faith to think as Christ thinks. Hold the truth that of the seed, no matter what I do or don't do, I am of great worth in the eyes of God. Hold it in your mind by prayer throughout the day, 10 to 15 times throughout your day. Just keep praying. (laughs) Just keep praying like like Dory (laughs) was swimming. Like Nephi told us, we need to pray always and not faint that ye must not perform anything unto the Lord, save in the first place ye shall pray unto the Father in the name of Christ. We have included some ideas for for prayer phrases in the sample prayer that's provided on the website. Third is to desire to believe and let that desire work in you to feel as Christ feels. As you pray throughout your day, you can receive a witness by the Spirit that the worth of your soul is without measure. Your parents in heaven value you no matter what you do or don't do in this life. Because this prayer is true, pay attention to the swelling motions and the enlarging of your soul and the enlightening of your mind the Holy Ghost will give you. It will be delicious to you. And use the eye of faith to see the fruits of this principle by visualizing the arms of your Savior wrapped around you and the feeling of his perfect love for you, regardless of your positive or negative performance. This will cause your feelings of self-worth to increase, and you will find that doing your everyday activities throughout your day for the Lord will become very natural because you're not trying to prove your worth to him or anyone else. Your performance is because you love him and you want to glorify him. And you can also use the guided meditation that you can find on our website. Fourth, give place for a portion of my word by doing all of these things out of the love that you feel for your Heavenly Father and your Savior. Search, ponder, and pray over the next few days because you love Him. And don't cast these truths out by your unbelief. Satan will attack you (laughs) by trying to get you to hook your worth to your performance. He's probably going to use your specific triggers a lot in the next little bit. So be prepared for that. Remembering that when he attacks you, you are on the right path. Be patient with yourself. Everything in our society is designed to force down our throat that we are only of value if we do or say the quote, right thing, or the right thing according to someone else's opinion. Cancel me all you want. I am of great worth in the sight of God. Oh, amen to that. Congratulations. You made it through the first two thought habits. Woo! I'll do a little cheer. (laughs) Feeling the spirit daily to know you are justified and learning to separate your worth in God's eyes from your daily performance are the two main habits that we must cultivate first for our spiritual growth. Once you decide you want to be in the path by living these truths, your spiritual growth just skyrockets, believe me. And because the earth is set up the way that it is to test us and try us, 
you are going to have lots of opportunities to come back to these two thought habits over and over and over again. <laughs> oh, man. Brent and I, when there's something hooking us, we can come back to these first two thought habits every time and realize where we have gotten temporally focused. And just when that happens, renew your commitment to use them and and learn to how to become like our Savior as you do so. We love you so much. Please give yourself the next few days to apply what we've talked about today before listening to the next lesson, thought habit number three. And until then, always remember that the worth of your soul is great in the sight of God. The Worth of Souls podcast is not an official publication of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you have any questions about the doctrines discussed here, please visit the church's official website for clarification.